It's often observed that Jesus stood the usual world order on its head. The last shall be first. The rich will be poor. The poor will be made rich. Those who are now weeping will laugh. And those who are laughing now will soon weep. Jesus uses a rhetorical device saying something surprising or even shocking in order to catch the listener's attention. Jesus used other such devices, which were common among the Jews of his day, who valued oratory and debate as much as the Greeks did. He would exaggerate for effect, as when he spoke of it being easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. A skeptical listener would say the comparison was outlandish and made no sense, but the point was made. And upon reflection, those who listened to Jesus would understand. So in our gospel reading today, Jesus makes the astonishing statement that we are to love our enemies. But this is not an exaggeration. Jesus means exactly what he says. Yet how hard it is to receive this command. Love our enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who abuse you. Oh, he admits it's not easy, using another rhetorical device, contrast. Sinners love those who love them, nothing special about that. Lending money to people who can pay you back? Oh, that's nothing. The merit is in doing the difficult thing, loving the people you naturally hate. And that is what Jesus is asking us to do. Hanan, would you change the slide? Now, one can imagine the reaction of those who heard Jesus on this occasion, perhaps like the folks in this cartoon. Can you all see the, the spoken words there? Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. One woman says, well, certainly he doesn't mean the Romans. And a fellow says, oh, I hope not. They're looking for the easy way out. Okay, I'll try to love the people I sort of dislike, the ones who only sort of rub me the wrong way a bit. People who cut in front of me on the road. People who take the last chocolate biscuit at afternoon tea. Okay, I could try to love them. But each of us can think of someone or a group of people whom we really don't like. Unfortunately, there's a lot of that going around. In my home country of the United States and in my adopted country of New Zealand, people are more and more divided by politics. If you're a liberal, there's plenty of conservatives to hate. And if you're a conservative, there's plenty of liberals. Representatives of all parties disagree and disparage each other from one end of the year to the other. And we feel their dislike or even hate. Protesters on one side feel the wrath of those on the other side. And usually it seems there's not even an attempt these days to understand the other's opinion or position. And we dismiss them out of hand as being part of that other group who hate us. Well, what if Jesus told you to love those people too? Those on the opposite side of your particular political beliefs, 
if you're against the protesters and pick any group of protesters from any time, could you love them? If you disagree with the government of the day, could you love those who support it? Jesus says we should. And this command follows naturally from love your neighbor. But it's a step up, isn't it? Reaching out to a neighbor is one thing. You probably have something in common with a neighbor. Loving someone who hates you takes a lot more. It takes humility. Strong faith requires humility. The realization that we are not in control. In loving Christ, we defer to him. We recognize his majesty and his wisdom. We learn that when he asks us to do something, there's a good reason, even though we may not know the reason necessarily. It is not about me. It is about God and how we glorify God through our right actions. Well, look at the cartoon again. Here are some people on the edge of the crowd listening to Jesus. I can imagine they're fine with the message of loving your neighbor and doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. But are they ready to love their enemies? You might ask, are they committed to bringing God's kingdom on earth? Because in order to do that, they'll have to change their ways. These people are hoping that Jesus won't ask them to do anything difficult. And Jesus perfectly understands that loving the Romans, a people who have oppressed and conquered them, isn't going to be easy. But it is the right thing to do. Jesus holds out the carrot that your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. That's great news and that's worth working for. Can we do as Jesus asks? Well, I know that I at times have let my anger get the better of me when listening to someone else state opinions that I consider crazy or just wrong. It's so easy to progress from his opinion is stupid to he is stupid. Once you get there, there's not much room for understanding. You've made up your mind and it's hard to change it at that point. Once you've allowed yourself to hate, it's difficult to turn back from it. Perhaps that's part of why Jesus gave us this lesson. He knows the human mind tends to hang on to ideas and dislikes having its certainties questioned. A person who begins to hate goes down a dark road and hate, like all dark emotions, feeds on itself. Now, we must understand that Jesus doesn't leave any room for exceptions. You're not allowed to love all your enemies except that one. The Jews hearing Jesus' sermon can't leave out the Romans, even though they are oppressing the Jews. Love is for everybody, all of God's people, because we are all God's people and God loves us. We love because God loved us first. Now, I'd like to finish by briefly looking at that Genesis reading. We have a wonderful illustration of love and forgiveness in the story of Joseph, whose brothers sold him into slavery in Egypt. He might well have hated them for this, yet he does not hold it against them when he meets them years later. That's Joseph and his brothers in the painting that you've been seeing on the PowerPoint. 
It shows Joseph dressed as an Egyptian noble because he served Pharaoh as his lieutenant for many years, greeting his brothers as they arrived to ask for food during a serious famine. Joseph's love was greater than his anger and hurt, and not only does he not hold a grudge, he absolves them of any guilt by telling them that it was God who sent them, a God who sent him to Egypt, not his brothers, so that Joseph might save many people. Joseph's love was stronger than any hate. And how amazing it was to his brothers that he forgave them. That is the power of love and shows us Jesus's command in action. Thanks be to God. Amen.